Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Sportingly Average podcast. Episode nine entitled "Cutting It Close." So, if you're uh, if you're listening, James, this this one's for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice to know. Uh, as uh, as always, I'm your host Phil, and reliably joined by my favourite co-host, Reese Cadman. Reese, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks you. Thank you. God, let's restart. This has gone terribly. <laughs> I noticed that, uh, that the collar on your shirt is folded down. Is there some reason for that? Um, as you well know, Matthew, I did attempt to pop this collar in a, a pre, uh, pre-podcast sort of psych-up act, uh, only to discover that the front of these collars is, is sewn down. <laughs> Quite literally Some people have down. like playlists that get them going motivational speeches reese pops his collar ladies and gents well i mean i've never actually done it before i just sort of did it as a spur of the moment kind of thing so it may be it maybe it would have sort of really got me going maybe it would have very much affected we'll my performance know. negatively there's only one way to find out yeah but uh that's by yeah. doing this entire thing twice in a row <laughs> once with a pop collar <laughs> analyzing it with a fine tooth exactly yeah good uh and uh sadly well i say sadly uh, this week it is just Reese joining as a co-host. Uh, Juppie's not joining because he's a. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I will. I will have to bleep that. You, you, think? you think? <laughs> yeah, well, no. you know, it's good to balance things out. Obviously, Juppie had the uh, had the, so, the solo time with you uh, for Australia week, and uh, it's nice true. to it's nice to sort of catch up. I imagine we've got some kind of free jam. Because you guys got some free jam before when I wasn't there. Do we get some free true. jam? We need some some goodies to make uh, Juppy jealous. Blackberry, <laughs> please. The best jam. Ah, you're changing your answer every time as well. The what? melon, idiot. You can't, you can't make a jam out of melon. Don't be, you're the idiot. <laughs> I can make a jam out of anything if you try hard enough. <laughs> I, I've never <laughs> attempted to make jam before. So you may, maybe you're right. Maybe me- melon right. Be, I think melon would be more of a pate, surely. Oh, God. Any, anyway, enough fruit <laughs> discussion. Let's uh, try and vaguely steer this back onto uh, sports and or stats. Um, so yeah, the title of this week, Cutting It Close, we're going to talk about teams, individuals, instances where uh, either the result of a league, tournament, single match, anything was very, very close, given that last uh, last episode we did uh, teams or uh, individuals blowing the opposition out of the water. We thought we'd flip it on its head this week and do cutting it close. Um, but before that, we got our stats of the week and the sports quiz. Now, I'm actually going to do this alongside Reese this week. Uh, I haven't done it beforehand, given there's no jup opposition. Um, so I'll be reading and answering along with Reese. Well, that's weird because um, Chucky was a relatively late dropout, so I assumed you'd have had this quiz ready, you know, for for halfway through the week. No, I did actually Google it about forty five seconds before we started. So, <laughs> oh yeah, good. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I was there for that, wasn't I? Yeah, that was just uh... after the collar collar conversation. <laughs> the collar debacle. It's not a debacle. Um, right. Question one: Tyson Fury is bringing out a single for mental for the mental health charity Talk Club. What is the song? Um, oh, so it's I Have the Tiger, The Boxer, Fight for Your Right, or Sweet Caroline. I think I know. 
So yeah, I've got mine in my head. You are welcome to say your answer. I have literally no idea. Literally no idea. I think. What would you guess? Out of those, I think probably. I mean, the others are all kind of boxing themed, but I'm actually going to say I'm going to say Sweet Caroline. I am ninety nine percent sure it's Sweet Caroline. Let's find out. It is. It is. It is. Well done. Take that, quiz setters, when you're three. Yeah. Three questions with a similar theme. Running throw us off. Well, uh, basically, what involves the least tuneful singing? That's what I ended up yeah. eventually. He I've never heard Tyson song. Fury sing. Does he? Really? Oh, God. All the time. All the time. All the time. He can't stop. Almost almost every fight he uh, sings in the ring after. Oh, and he? in the odd trading camp, yeah. Well, good for him. You uh, do what you right. like, Tyson. Question two. Oh, God. Who... <laughs> Before we get too political on this podcast, who was the Prime Minister the last time Leeds won a game of football? Uh, Rishi, Liz, Bojo or Theresa May? Oh, God. The last time Leeds, Leeds won a game of football? It's obviously not bearing Theresa mind, May. Bearing in mind this was on Friday the 28th of October, this was set. Because I believe um, they won this weekend, didn't they? they beat, yeah, they beat Liverpool 2-1. So prior to yeah. that... Good point. I mean, it's definitely it's going to be it's going to be Bojo. I think it's Bojo. Yeah, I'm going Bojo. Yeah, it's a smart play. Statistic can't be Theresa May. That'd be... <laughs> no, it absolutely isn't. It is. Uh, they haven't won a game since late August. Who they beat when they beat Barnsley in the League Cup? Jesus. Many um, many moons, many prime ministers, and then many, they beat many lizards ago. Yeah. Many lizards ago, yeah. Many lizards ago. When they beat Liverpool 2 1 uh, over the weekend, just gone. Lol. Um, um, Liverpool. Uh, fun fact Liverpool have, hopefully, this isn't the questions later on. It can't be. Uh, Liverpool currently in the Premier League have 16 points from 12 games. And in the Champions good, League, they have tw- 12 points. No, sorry, 15 points from six games. Yeah, they were five wins in the last, weren't they? I think. Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, right. It's Farmers League, Premier League, isn't it? Um, question three. Roy McIlroy's victory in the CJ Cup last weekend has taken him back to the top of the men's world golf rankings. Good on you, Rory. Go on, yeah. Who was the last golfer to spend an entire calendar year as world number one? Since records began in 1986, entire calendar year. So the entire calendar year. The obvious backstop. So the four options are Tiger, Dustin Johnson, yeah, Spieth, or McIlroy himself. Who is the last golfer to spend an entire calendar year as world number one? I'm pretty sure on this. I've yeah, I've got my answer. Yeah, I'm going to say DJ. I don't think it's. Tiger. I was going to say DJ as well. We've all been no very way. boring. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's DJ. It is indeed. Um, oh, I didn't realise this. Rory has not spent an entire calendar year as world number one. Oh, I, I don't have any concept of how long he spent at number one. To be honest with you, so uh, he's. I think he's fourth. He's fourth on the all-time list. I think it's a hundred and something weeks. I need to check though. But uh, right. I think he's well, fourth overall. Um, by my behind DJ, Greg Norman, and Tiger, I believe are the three above him. Um, 
So three golfers, three golfers have spent an entire calendar year as world number one. Uh, so it's Nick Faldo. Nicky. In, uh, well, so other than DJ. Nick yeah. Faldo in 1993. Greg Norman in 1996, the shark. And Tiger Woods in... 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2006, 2007, 2008, and 2009. <laughs> 2005 was a real, a real down year for him. Yeah, four and five. What was he doing? Yeah, sort it out. Useless. Yeah. Sort it out. Um, yeah, that is laughable. Do you want to guess who pips Tiger to world number one in 2004 or five? Vijay Singh. I was hoping you'd take a bit more time. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh. He, uh, September 5th, 2004, until June 11th, 2005. I love random sport knowledge. I should do really? a sport. I should go to a quiz. Go to a quiz night. Um, yeah, then they'd be like, are you guys the uh, sporting average? <laughs> it's cheating oh, it's, at that point. It turns out we're actually just bad at sporting knowledge. <laughs> right. Who has been sent off in the Premier League and the Champions League this season? Uh, Darwin Nunez, Jurgen Klopp, Conor Gallagher, or Antonio Conte? Oh, I'm torn between two. Right, Nunez has definitely been sent off in Premier League. Klopp definitely sent off in Premier League. Conte was in the stands for yesterday's game for Spurs. Was he sent off? In the Premier League as well at some point. Yeah. Well, was he sent off? Yeah, after the him and Thomas Tuchel thing earlier this season. So I think it's probably Conte. That's where I was leaning. I was taunting Klopp and Conte, but I, I can't. I'm pretty sure it's got to be for that Tuchel. And I know he'd done the last game because he went ballistic when um, Kane's equaliser got, uh, Kane's winner got cancelled out in that in the 94th minute. I just hate when um, the rules are applied, don't you? Yeah, I hate when it's correctly ruled offside. Classic Spurs, Spursing again. Yeah. Uh, and I, I hate as well because he was like screaming at the ref. And it's like, the, the dude in the box upstairs said that it was offside and he told me to call it offside. I have no power to overrule that. Why are screaming at me? Uh, exactly. Got to get it out. at the moment, time. I guess. Oh, I'll bet. Right. We both go in Conte. Yeah. It is. It is. He has been sent off more than any of his players. That is quite funny. <laughs> I like that. He's a, he's a fiery man. You know what these Europeans uh, are like? Yeah, so exactly. demonstrative. They don't bottle all their feelings up inside like you're meant to. <laughs> and never, exactly. ever talk about them. That's a healthy Still way to deal with mental health problems, kids. Exactly. Uh, right, question five. Sarah Hunter will win a record 138th cap for England when they play Australia in the quarterfinals of the Women's Rugby World Cup this weekend. Nice. When Hunter won her first England cap back in 2007, Jesus, um, the team were not allowed to wear a red rose on their shirts. What did they have instead? Was it a portrait of the Queen? Hmm, a stamp. A, a sketch of Stonehenge? A quote from William Shakespeare or a tulip? Uh, tulip's near, but 
a bit weird, so I think it's probably not that. Definitely not a quote, not for the toilet for the shirt. That's too, that's too large. So then, what was it? Is a um a picture of Stonehenge or Queen Stonehenge Shakespeare tulip? Uh, I really want to say Stonehenge. We call that the Rockies or something. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm going Stonehenge. Obviously, it's a terror. I mean, this is obviously something. Something. Some Guardian quiz writer yeah. sat there going, "What's a symbol of the?" U-? No, no one believes it's a picture of Tower Bridge. Yeah, Stonehenge. I'm torn between tulip and Stonehenge. It can't be the quote, and it can't be the queen. But the tulip. How is the tulip traditionally English? There's nothing. I know. I know. It's That's what. Dutch, yeah. Isn't it, right. And then the queen. I kind of feel they might have done that. It's a bit. My, thought, my thought process behind that was that they'd do it like almost deliberately. Let's put another flower. And then it should become ridiculous. So they have to let us have the rose. Um, hmm. It can't be. I'm going to go tulip. Like, you're saying Stonehenge. It's like New Zealand, and in their brand of sporting, was it the black, the black sticks, the black ferns? Uh, anyway, yeah, I'm going. Um, I'm, going to, I'm doing that. I'm going Stonehenge. You're going Stonehenge. Oh, got a chance to win it here. Tulip. Shoot. Ex- yes. Explain. Uh, so here we go. Uh, this is direct quotation marks. Uh, when I had my first cap, we didn't have the rose, says Hunter. We had this tulip, which we joked about as a rosebud that hadn't quite blossomed yet. It hadn't been allowed to come out and show what women's rugby was about. We didn't have the same sponsors. We weren't on TV. We didn't have the same audiences as we do now. The investment into the game, everything that's gone with it, has just shifted enormously, and I feel pretty lucky to have experienced it. Boom. It's weird that once you start investing in things, people will uh, Yeah, it becomes it. better. So remember that next time someone refuses to uh, support women's sport because it hasn't got enough viewing figures. Yeah, so and they won uh, 41-5 to reach the semi-final. Ah, unreal. Sadly, Wales did not fare quite so well. Um, In their quarter-final against New Zealand, losing like, it was like 55-3 or something. Uh, They're quite good at rugby though, aren't they? But they're um, rubbish England's... at singing. They can't sing like we, we can, can they? <laughs> They've never sung Bread of Heaven after so, uh... 12 pints of brains. <laughs> and then uh, the semi-final was against Canada uh, this Saturday. So Saturday the 5th. Good luck, England women's rugby team. Go on the former tulips. Yeah, the former tulips. Oh, God, I just... Cringe that they had to have that instead of rose. Silly. Yeah, well, Reese, four out of five ain't bad. I'll Less take that. Mm, let's I'll just, yeah, agree to disagree. Yeah, I mean, you lost. I think, well, you know, I'm sure it's added to my seasonal total. No, that goes to My five points. You're lagging far behind me on. You've only got five points this <laughs> season. Anyway, good quiz. Uh, Cheers, it was. Good. Well done, Phil. Right, so stats of the week. I've got a couple honourable mentions and then a main uh, main stats. So I'll reel through the opening uh, honourable mentions. So today is reasonably, uh, I don't want to say influential, um, but the 2nd of November has featured some rather key moments in British, well, English specifically, sport in the last uh, sort of 15 years or so. Do you know what happened on this day in 2019, Rhys? Uh, 2019, on this day, what was going on? Was there some kind of rugby, some kind of rugby World Cup? If it was specifically I mean, basically, England, basically. what do you think was today? 
specifically England. Uh, 2019. Uh, I can't remember. Can't, don't know. It was the day Chesling Colby of the Springboks uh, danced his way through England and South Africa won the Rugby World Cup. 2nd November. Which yeah, makes so me doubly right. sad that Juppie wasn't here to take part and we could just oh, all berate God. him because they got absolutely smashed and Wales lost only by, I want to say, three points in their semi-final against the Springboks that year and England probably. got absolutely battered. Yeah, so we probably would have won in the final. just because you know Exactly. Yeah, it was like 32, I think it was 32-12 the final score in the final, Chesley which is... Colby. He's unreal. Chesley, it kind of ruins my sporting theory that people with naff names never quite make it to the top. <laughs> Cheslin Colby. It's I mean, not doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? You get some. You get you do you do get some cool names in South African sport, like Faf Duplessis. Yeah, he's exactly one that's got, excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A... Lionel Messi, cool name. Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo, Tiger Woods, cool names. Uh, Blake Bortles, not a good name. <laughs> Mad Phillips, average okay. name. That's why you um, really made it, Bianca. Winger for the yeah, West Yeah, continuing on, the, uh, on this day theme, uh, what happened on this day in 2008? Uh, 08 was, oh, well, post-Euros. Uh, probably, probably some kind of ashes down under where England lost. No, if I said... Is that Glock? Is that Glock going slowly? Would that help? Um, no. Is that Glock going slowly? Presumably not referring to the the make of gun um, or Nick McLaughlin. That's uh, Timo Glock, to be specific. Oh, uh, some uh, F one something F one. Are these just all of Juppy F one like rugby for Juppy F one for Juppy? This has gone terribly. What what poorly thought out episode? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's uh, Juppy was here. This is, is an absolutely brilliant the, segment. It is the day that Lewis Hamilton won his first championship back in 2008 on a rainy circuit in Brazil. Uh, Hamilton went into the race. I can't remember how many points ahead, but basically, if Massa finished first, Felipe Massa, the Brazilian. Uh, Hamilton would need to finish fourth or better to secure the title. Going into the, <clears throat> going into the final lap of the final race of that year, uh, Massa was winning comfortably, um, and Hamilton was fifth, having just lost, slipped from fourth to fifth, courtesy of Sebastian Vettel. Um, it uh, had been raining for the last three laps, but not heavily enough to affect the two cars ahead of Hamilton that hadn't put on sufficiently uh, wet weather tyres. Um, and then basically for like the last 30 seconds of the last lap, it started bucketing it down at the last corner. So Timo Glock, who was ahead of Hamilton, had to massively slow down, allowing Hamilton to overtake Got it around. Glock literally on the final corner to get to fourth, to finish fourth in the race, <laughs> which meant he won the title by a single point. That is ridiculous. Imagine could have been could have been my uh, theme stat, but I've already talked about his opening season as like strong debut, so I didn't want to talk about it for too long. But the um, the highlights of that I, thought I watched a sort of I think they're like a ten minute highlight video of that um, that F one <laughs> race today, and it's honestly that final lap just gives you goosebumps. I think it's. Um, 
it's not Martin Brundle, it might be Martin Brundle, just going like, is that clock? Is that clock going slowly on the final corner? And just, I was like winning. And the Ferrari garage, so um, Massa was racing for Ferrari at the time and Hamilton yeah. was racing for McLaren. And the Ferrari garage going absolutely potty, think they've won. Um, and then literally last corner, bang, see you later. And there's a great video of oh, a Ferrari mechanic headbutting through a wall in the Ferrari garage because what? he gets so angry. Yeah. With his, he with head- his helmet on? No, he hasn't got his helmet on. He headbutts a wall so hard he puts like this massive crack slash dent <laughs> in it. It's so funny. Oh, I mean, you'd That's be absolutely funny. infuriated, wouldn't you? After after just making peace with the fact you're going to win it. And in fact, to be ripped away from you just just because it starts raining. Yeah. So heavily. Because someone else couldn't keep it on the track, basically. Yeah, um, completely outside your control. Very good race, that is. But my main, yeah. my main stat of the week um, is a number. Ooh. It is 17,820. Do you know what that refers to? I do not is it uh, no something i mean cricket world cup is on it is, is that someone just hit a certain amount of runs for england nope wickets no nah, it's far more i don't say amusing but i think it's quite funny Go so on. uh it makes me jealous to a point um 70,820 is the new albeit unofficial but it is the new unofficial world record for rounds of golf played in a calendar year. <laughs> I should have known. That, I mean, that is utterly... I don't so, have enough time in the year to play 17,000. Well, a day each. That works out 49 holes a day. I mean, I... No. So, so I don't know if I miss. I don't know if I misspoke there. So, the seventeen thousand eight hundred twenty is the number of holes of golf. Holes of golf played. Holes in a year. of golf in a year. This guy, so that's averaging forty nine holes a day. Bearing in mind for those that the uninitiated and just don't care about golf, can't blame you. Um, You're wrong. The standard round of golf is eighteen, so you need to play like two and a half rounds a day every day for the whole year. <laughs> I mean, obviously, everyone, if you've never played a whole round of golf, it gets quite tiring by the, end, by the end. And I, you know, I'm obviously an athlete in peak physical form, just sort of carrying your clubs around, walking all that yeah. way, just, you know, hacking your way through <laughs> undergrowth where I've yeah. you know, just spanked my ball into sideways. Uh, the last round I played I reckon... last week, I went to a bunker, I said it off to the side about 10 degrees, and went into a bunker off a tree. That's what golf nice. is like. It's rubbish. That's golf, yeah. Um, so, to put it in perspective, I reckon. If you're playing by yourself at a reasonable pace, it's probably 10 minutes a hole you'd average. Because that works out as a three-hour round. So doing that, 490 minutes a day. That's what, who was, who like was it? Who did it? Eight and a half hours. So I'm glad you It's a man in Wisconsin. Um, and this is the kind of quote from the story. Each morning, Nolan Krentz. How does that stack up in your uh, sports person naming... Nolan, Nolan Krentz. Krentz. It sounds a bit more like with a, a Z, a slightly peeved accountant. Yeah. Uh, drives up to Norsk Country Club in Wisconsin, plays as many holes as possible. He then goes and works a couple shifts at a local grocery store, coaches the junior golf teams at Mount Morib High School, 
then goes and plays a few more rounds. And he reckons he's played over 15,000 a year since he was 20. That is utter. How old is he now? Uh, I didn't actually well, say the story. How old he look? I'd need to check. That's but... utterly ridiculous. Uh, really awesome that he obviously takes time out of his day to like coach the kids. Yeah, and then I think he isn't... coaches the um, a basketball team at the school, high school as well. Um, but the, the other funny thing, so obviously a normal golf course is 18 holes. His one is only nine holes that you'd play twice on a loop for a full oh round. Oh my God. So he's played <laughs> he's each hole. the same nine holes. 49 holes a day. That is... <laughs> he's just doing think... like five and a half loops of this course every day. <laughs> but surely as well with its... He must be able to play it blindfolded. Oh, you might, yeah, you know exactly what to do and where to... Where, and like the, the green... He doesn't need, need like one of those green reading cards that the pros do. He's just like... Yeah. Yeah, you only leave this high on the left-hand side here. But that also makes it more impressive because obviously when it's busy, you've, there's only nine holes. It's not 18. It's not eight people, people sort of spread out over 18 holes, right? People, yeah, I don't know how busy gonna, golf clubs are. You'll be lapping clubs. people. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of the way. But yeah, that's my start of the that week. 17,820 holes of golf in a year, 49 a day. My that hero. That's what I impressive. want my retirement to be. Yeah, that's what I want what my now to be. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I think you've done your best. Matthew hits yeah, two thousand as close as possible. Unfortunately, if you were if you were if you were in Wisconsin, that's what you'd be up to. Anyway, yeah, exactly. I'll get to mine, which is probably a little bit briefer than yours. It's a little bit of a cop out, as I said earlier to you, Phil, um, because I was hoping it would be like a little chat for the little chance for the three of us to have a little bit of a chat and a catch up and a and a little chin wag, as it were, a little reminisce. So, my number is 86,215, and this refers to the number of fans who went to watch the NFL International Series game at London, at Wembley, on this past Sunday, the 30th of October, I believe. No, yeah, 30th of October. And amongst those 86,215 fans was us. We were we there. We were two of them. We were we two, were two of them. Of them. Yes, we were. And Juppy was was also two of them. Go, so go Broncos. Let's ride. Broncos. Let's ride. So it's Broncos, uh, Jaguars at Wembley. Uh, the Broncos won 21-17. I'm going to be honest with you. I remember very little of this game. I don't think I could tell you a single player of a game. And I'm pretty good at remembering that kind of thing. It... And like numbers. <laughs> and I, I remember two particularly terrible plays. From yep. uh, Justin the, the, Herbert. And, uh, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, every, every, this is partly Trevor, sorry. For those, it's, it's funny because Justin Herbert doesn't play for either team, and I say it to my race because I know exactly who does play for the team. Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback for the Jaguars, made one particularly shocking interception on a first down near the end zone. Yeah, I think it was a first yeah, down yeah, yeah. near the end zone and absolutely Threw bottled a pick. it. Threw a pick and then there was another pick later on that was pretty embarrassing. Not great. Um, I'm actually reliably informed by the internet that there were there were actually five touchdowns that we saw on that day, which is could have fooled me. Yeah, which is like a decent number, but it was a, a, by all accounts not the most fun game you've ever been to see. Although we made it, it turns work. out the seven pints mixed with some other ice wasn't a good idea. Uh, disagree. Well, let's agree to disagree. Uh, <laughs> my favourite moment of the day, everyone, was uh, was Matt taking his irritation of me to new levels. So a picture of this, you know, f- f- NFL fans from from around the country, from around the world, you know, there's a the tube there, there's families who fly there from Denver with their kids to go to Wembley Stadium and 
show them the football. Uh, and they're getting there, you're, you're walking out of, of Wembley, um, Wembley Park Station, not Wembley Park, whatever it was, uh, the one on the Jubilee line. You come out onto Wembley Way, you look down, you see the arch, you see the stadium, the sun shining in the background, a real hubbub <laughs> of excitement and buzz. There's people around everywhere. And in all the you know, NFL jerseys from all the different teams from across the ages, uh, some real sort of old school ones, even a Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma jersey. So you're proper like, niche ones. You know, these are fans. These are fans of the game who want to kind of come and be with like-minded fellow members of the sporting community. Then you look down and you see, so you're right, Matt Phillips wearing a basketball jersey with his, <laughs> his golf tan on his little, little bright white bicep standing, so, you know, just, just gleaming against the sun. And everyone else just looking around going, who, who is this absolute mug? And I think... I and who I is this like idiot in a bronc- in a basketball jersey standing next to him? E. We. At least I dressed up in American sporting apparel. Jeffy was just there in his favourite jumper. It, well, he does love that jumper. Nothing says sports like a good, a good, a good knitwear item. Yeah, I think my uh, my favourite moment of the day was uh, when Reese clearly had some form of seizure whilst eating his hot dog. And just smeared very yellow, very American mustard down his trousers, which he had to put up with for the rest of the day. And was, indeed, uh, the rest of my life at this rate, it seems. Anyway, was, it, was, it, was, it was a lovely day. And that your host, we, we did want to do a bit of a live broadcast, but unfortunately didn't find the time uh, or the inclination. So you were spared from that, everyone. But it was a, a solid game. Five touchdowns, 21-17 to the Broncos. Uh, Travis Etienne for the Jaguars had a very big game, actually. I think 23 carries, 156 yards on the ground. Actually, I think quietly quite exciting, which didn't didn't feel like it. But uh, yeah, your your hosts. I on definitely the road. remember enjoying it. I definitely remember enjoying it. Oh, it was a great day. Great day for sure. So if 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 you get any tickets next year, you get the opportunity to get some tickets to go and watch the NFL International <laughs> Series. Do it. Even, yeah, this was the worst game of the three in in London, and it was still good fun. Definitely. Anyway, um, nice. Thank you, Reese. Uh, so yeah, on to the kind of title of the podcast so cutting it close um examples where teams sports men women etc have won by very fine margins um so for my i've got sort of a slightly more researched different unusual one um and then i went for a sort of an honorable mention very obvious one that i felt we couldn't do this theme and not bring it up um, so, would you like to guess what that is out of interest? The second one? Um, yeah, the kind of predictable feel you have to mention it. I would assume F1. No. No. Ooh. No. More Way more mainstream than that. Way more mainstream. Uh, would it be, oh, football, Man City, Liverpool, by any chance? Liverpool, Man Ooh. City, Premier League? You got that half right. Uh... Football, but rugby, Man City, Liverpool. <laughs> Handball. I said, said to you, Balotelli. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, 2009. Uh, 11 12, man. 11, 12, You're a shocker. Yeah. So I the 11 12 Premier League season, I'll just skirt through this very quickly, but is um, the kind of season everyone remembers, the, the very famous piece of uh, commentary of the Balotelli Aguero Aguero um, 
and then he goes absolutely potty. So City United went into the final day of the season on identical records of 27 wins, five draws, five losses. Um, City were ahead on goal difference uh, by, I think, eight. They were leading the goal difference. Um, at the So all City had to do, if City won, they were champions no matter what. They had to equal or better whatever result United got against, I believe, Sunderland. I would have to check that. Though. I think it was away at Sunderland Stadium of Light because they're wearing their away kit, their blue and black kit in that time, I think. Um, it's already stretching my kind of 10-year niche football memory. Um, but so at the 90th minute, the United game finish, I believe it was 1-0 to United. I know they won. Uh, so United had won their game, meaning City had to win their game. Didn't matter what scoreline was. If City win, they're champions. If they draw or lose, they're second. Um, and at the 90th minute, they're losing 2-1 to QPR, who are 17th in the table, just just saved themselves from relegation. Rubbish team. Joey Barton, <laughs> the lot. Uh, so 2-1. Um, they're 2-1 down to rubbish QPR and these are the team that wants to be champions bottling it Paddy Kenny um, and Joel so oh, quite possibly actually yeah uh, yeah of course um, let's wait to the side Big one oh, size no, fits yeah. all one of the greatest nicknames in sports <laughs> um, I also on that note actually very quickly um, I saw a discussion about best and worst shirt number choices for a player um, and there was a player with that who said it was Mumbo, and he picked number, number five. five? <laughs> oh, yes, that is the best. I hope. I hope that was in the best. Yeah, that was. Uh, it, was well, it was a discussion about the worst shirt number, um, like offenses, and and someone's replied being like, "No point discussing the best. This is already one. <laughs> <laughs> we won't bother with the like slips." Yeah, um, there's no. There's yeah, so like, sixty six five. Five or so added minutes um, at uh, at the city ground um, in the ninety plus second minute. Edin Dzeko of Bosnia. Bosnia, yeah, currently playing um, for Inter. Uh, brings it back to two all, so they still need another goal. So it's the ninety plus second minute. There's sort of seconds left on the clock. They still need another goal. Sprint back to the halfway line with the ball, get the game going again. Um, and then, yeah, very famously, ball gets played up. Um, I can't remember who gives it to Balotelli at the edge of the box, sort of scrambling as he's falling, plays a through ball to Aguero, who takes one touch and smashes it past Paddy Kenny for City to win 3 2. Um, so, yeah, they scored two goals in extra time to win the Premier League on goal difference over their rivals. So, do very... You, uh, do you want to guess how Ooh. many assists Mario Balotelli had in his City career? Oh. Uh, did I read somewhere once that that was his only one? <laughs> Absolutely right. Yeah, I remember that reading that somewhere assist. being like, how is it possible that this is only assist? That's his only assist. One yeah. assist. I'm looking at the Premier League uh, stats right here, also, just I remember. Is this true that he's the only Italian to have won the Premier League? Uh, ooh, only Italian. Because I read play, that somewhere. Yeah. I, I read it. There was this like article that like was like football facts that sound like, sound made up. 
and I, I don't know if it still applies. Cause I've done about like recent seasons. Uh, um, Carlo Tedeschini with Chelsea. But it said that Balotelli was the only Italian to have won the Premier League. But I said, uh, I just because uh, I refuse to believe that. Mm, no, I think I think there's only two of them. Like Cudicini won it with Chelsea 2005, 2006. Uh, coaches, it's Ancelotti, Mancini, Conte, Ranieri. Um, I mean, we haven't. Had, I mean, Zola never won it with Chelsea. Um, or I can think of other Italian. Um, thing for a top club like Balotelli. Yeah, you're right. So the Italian players, yeah, Mario Balotelli and Carlo Cudicini. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Yeah, because Jorginho yeah. at Chelsea. I mean, we do, Italians don't really come to. Don't, I don't, yeah. Actually, I'd say that. I don't I have no idea if that's true or not. Seems I don't get the impression that many Italians they don't travel abroad particularly regularly. No. Um, most it's very it's relatively rare for an Italian player to spend a lot of their career outside of Syria. I, I think it's safe to say. Yeah, I mean that's why Verratti is kind of underrated in Italy because he's obviously played his whole career uh, for PSG. I think he left Puzga. Puzga, you know. But um, but yeah, so that was my kind of had to go through it very quickly just because of how yeah. truly fantastic it was and the commentary is amazing and it's one of those that will never fail to get kind of the hairs on your back of your neck to stand up. That alongside the David Beckham 2001 free kick against Greece to what? send England to the World Cup. Uh, the 2000 yeah, something be. free kick maybe it wasn't 2001 maybe it was a bit later than that I thought it was um, yeah. the free kick that sent England to the World Cup finals October 2001 yeah <laughs> that commentary that commentary oh. again Beckham could raise the roof with a goal here honestly that, that, it com, com, it's so underrated I think good commentary, commentary adds so much to the viewing experience it is unreal um, I think it's the things that you don't necessarily need to realise that need to be said in the moment, but then afterwards you're yeah. like, ah, anything else? Costas Manolis, the Greek god in Rome. Yeah. Drink it in. You will never see anything like this again. Oh. Turns out actually, um, stuff like that regularly happens in sports. <laughs> <laughs> Every week. Yeah, I wanted to mention that, but my actual sort of cutting it fine <clears throat> was in a NBA game, which in of itself doesn't sound kind of too unusual because you might think, well, NBA, there's a whole season, um, you know, they can, they can play, they play 82 games, mm -hmm. they then go to a playoffs, they're sort of a very defined winner-loser, you know, like in the most American sports, sort of your record is your wins and losses, it's, they're not big on kind of points or anything like that, no draws, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's one NBA game in particular which I wanted to talk about. And uh, we have to go back to uh, 1989. Um, Heck of a year. The, oh, big year. Heck big of year. a year. Yeah. Reese turned seven. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Um, so it's the longest NBA game since the introduction of the shot clock. Uh, so very quickly, the shot oh, clock really? is once you get the possession of the basketball, you have 24 seconds to shoot the ball and essentially brought in to help speed up the uh, pace of play of the game. 
um, encourage more attacking basketball to be played. Um, yeah, so the longest game was in 1989 between the, um, at the time, Minneapolis Bucks and the Seattle Supersonics, who I believe now are the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, correct. The Seattle Supersonics. Um, James Harden. Yeah. Oh, pre just pre James Harden, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook era, and the Bucks are Milwaukee. Yeah, Milwaukee. Um, yeah. So this this game. So in um, basketball, if you are tying at the end of your four 12 minute quarters, you go to overtime. Uh, overtime is five minutes. If there's still no winner at the end of first overtime, you go to second overtime, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So in a typical NBA season, there are 1,230 games um, across all teams. How many, either as an absolute number or percentage, do you think go to overtime? Ooh, pretty relatively few as a, as a, a, a relative overall percentage. Like, <clears throat> I'd say five, probably less than five. It's, it's, a, it's one of these games where you, you, know, you can score two or three points, like football. It's it's one ties are fairly common, yeah, yeah one point at a time. The, I'd like say the maybe, average basketball score is like nine, 90 odd per team. Oh, it must so. be more. Must be more surely um, nowadays. I, yeah. I'd say two percent. So it's actually around six percent. Oh, I knew I should have gone for So five. there's normally between seventy five and eighty games a year that go to overtime out of one thousand two hundred thirty. So it's pretty pretty slim still six percent. Um in the most recent most recent full season, so 21-22, because they play from, I think, October, they start and they go through to June. Mm-hmm. Um, so 21-22 uh, was the most recent full season. How many games went to double overtime? So where the teams were tying after their first five-minute overtime session and had to go to a second. Bearing in mind there were, I can't remember exactly how, between, I think there were about 79 single overtime games. Uh, oh, so of those, <clears throat> well, I suppose you reasonably expect it to be a similar percentage again. So, what, 6% of seven, uh, 6% of 80? Uh, what, what would so that be six, <laughs> like five, five 6% of 80 would be, yeah, 4.8, so five. Um, yeah, very good logic. There were five double overtime games. Nailed it. How many triple overtime games were there? I reckon it's one of these things where at this stage, actually, it'll be like. There'll be two or three of those because then you're sort of so tired that you can't really it's you just quite score no scoring. Points. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how many is it? Five. Sorry, that went to over uh, triple over double overtime. Five went to double. So let's say three went to triple. Uh, two. Damn it! I should have said two. And then none went to four. Right. Okay. Um, so very, very rare. Yeah, very rare. So yeah. Even a, tri- so a triple overtime game, there were only two out of one thousand two hundred thirty. Um. So this game in 1989 between the then Minneapolis Bucks and the Seattle Supersonics went into five overtimes Good and still was only decided by one point. That so is um, the Bucks won 155 to 154 <laughs> after playing basically uh, a half of basketball longer than was necessary. So 25 minutes worth of overtime. Oh, what should be God. a forty-eight minute game. <clears throat> and, well, just, uh, there's eighty-two of them a season. It doesn't matter. Just you know, rest yeah, up, for, rest up for the rest point. of the week. Yeah, come on. 
Um, but yeah, so cutting it fine, they took five overtimes and still only won by one point. Um, it's the only time a game has gone to five overtimes in the shot clock era. Um, none even made it to four overtimes last season. Um, so yeah, I just kind of going through various, <clears throat> various kind of close games of things. That's about in a game where you can't draw and you just keep going to overtime. That's about as close as I can imagine you going. Five overtime periods and still just one point. That is that is close. That is that I mean, is absolutely cutting it fine. Yeah, <laughs> in a in a in a imagine going sport to like basketball, just losing. Yeah, it's also mad overtime. that it's how much the sport has changed in the past however many years. That like, well, eighty nine, the last thirty two years, and I imagine. Uh, uh, given that I know roughly how long many years it was since 2089, <laughs> uh, well, I do constantly forget. Soon be 33. Um, yeah, how people, people score 150 nowadays. Like the, the three point people didn't reshoot really threes back then, which is a shot from further away. But this, the, the march of the stats nerds, yeah, the money balling of, of basketball. Yeah, Amazing. so that's Good my stat, theme stat. The Minneapolis Bucks winning what I think will, for a while, be the closest ever game of basketball. That is, that is, yeah, I can't see that being based in the near future. Just there are so many, really do. Like obviously, the honorable mentions are great as well. There are so many, there are so many good categories for this. There's so many good games for this category. Oh, obviously, so there are what so many one, instances of like. I'm sure you mentioned close. earlier on. There's some kind of F1 where someone beat Senna beat, not Senna beat for us. Someone beat someone by like one point. Um, who was the someone beat Prost by one point in a particular season or half a point because Monaco was only awarded half points? Yeah, I'm not, I can't remember if an F1 season's ever been tied because then you decide on um, number oh, of wins and then number of podiums. Yeah. 1984 uh, title. So the Monaco. 84? Yeah. Did that have Prost? That's quite early for Prost. Not, I don't think it's Prost. I think it's the. Oh, no. oh, sorry, Moss, Hawthorne, and Moss, Sterling Moss, yeah, Sterling Moss, yeah, I must have heard wrong. Heard wrong. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good shout from uh, Dan. Um, yeah. so I found one of the there's a there's a kind of a can't remember. I was looking at this. There's like a, a, a kind of Guardian questions quick Q and A sort of bit where people had, people had written, like scoured Twitter to find some of these. And so my special mention is the 2014 Icelandic League title. Big. Um, Remember it fondly. Remember it fondly. So uh, let me just. So my Icelandic isn't what it used to be. So I do apologise to anyone for the poor pronunciation. <laughs> um, so two teams went into the final game of the season, which is the twenty-second match day, unbeaten, and those two teams were, of course, Stjarnan <laughs> and Think uh, <clears> the. <throat> Film like a Filag Hafnafjada. Film like a Filag Hafnafjada. Hafnafjada. I'm so sorry. I will be short. Icelandish. Film like a Filag Hafnafjada. Hafnafjada. Film like a Filag Hafnafjada. Nailed it. Let's just start again. Let's cut all of that. Well, for the 2014 Icelandic League between Stjana and Film like a Filag Hafnafjada. I just need to crush that. Was the final game of the season? Both teams unbeaten, so Stjarnan played 21, won 14, drawn 7. Uh, goals 4, 
40, goals against 20, 49 points. And FH, as I will now, now be calling them, uh, played 21, won 15, drawn 6, 45 goals for, 17 goals against, 51 points. Uh, and they play each other on the last game of the season to decide who won the league. And uh, Stianan won it 2-1, hanging on despite a 59th-minute red card to take the league 52 points to 51. We went down to the very last match day. That was uh, that was pretty special. I love that they played each other as well. That oh, is... it's perfect, utterly perfect. Well done to uh, whoever whoever set it's it like. Can you imagine like eleven twelve if the final game had been City United? Like it just oh, genuinely it broken football. Absolutely, I think this it, it this was slightly more. I suppose it was slightly different. I suppose and that 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 uh, was City United on the same points, right? So it almost. You kind of this is you, this is what you miss from football that kind of drama in a league where where one goal doesn't necessarily win it or lose it, which is what you used to get with the away goals rule, where away goals counted double. Suddenly, one extra goal takes you from losing yeah. to winning, for example, rather than losing to drawing. Um, can't remember where I was going with that, but it's probably probably valid and probably what am I less one of my least favourite rules in sport the away goal rule I think well that, that's been removed now or uh, it's not it's not in the Champions League anymore yeah yeah. I never yeah. liked it never liked it well I suppose it's yeah it's I also a, don't a like back to a bygone um, era yeah I also hate the and I can kind of see why it is in existence but I hate the rule where if you pick up a certain number of yellow cards in a tournament you miss the next game Oh, that yeah. is rubbish. He's one of the best players on the pitch, and getting one yellow a game. If you can get a yellow through something pretty innocuous, one, uh, three yellows, however many it is, should not get you a game ban in the tournament. And I don't think I'll ever be convinced otherwise. Sorry, rant over. You may. No, carry on. I think I'm pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, but so I think uh, your your um, theme stat they're winning by one point in a in a was it quintuple overtime basketball game was yeah. Was pretty spectacular. I think, I think I can beat it. I don't yeah, know if you've had right. if you've had a look at this just yet. So I I skim for it. So I know I know the sport. So, I don't know any of the numbers. So the Tour de France cycling, not an area of expertise for me. Um, <laughs> I know a lot of people who really enjoy it. And so actually, this is this is partly why I like doing this pod. It's so kind of interesting to dig into all of this stuff. So the Tour de France. Um, I didn't really realize this before either. So the 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 um, the winner. It's it's basically measured by the total time taken on each stage. So yeah. some are like mountain stages, some are time trials. Um, where obviously on the flat ones you expect the sprinters to do slightly better. Um, there's this kind of competition for like for the uh, kind of the colour the sprinters jersey is green, green is yeah it's green and then I think yellows overall yellows green overall. is it polka dot is rookie. Yeah, or like and there's a king of the mountain as well that wears, but I can't remember what color they were. Yeah, so you've got all these different these all these different stages, which are sort of split up into time trials, which are more sort of flat, shorter distance. You kind of just like fly around it as quickly as you can. And that tends to be the sprinters who do better there. Fly around it, but, so the, but the problem wouldn't be able to complete a single stage. I just fly around it. <laughs> oh well, yeah. I mean, it's twenty. It's like some of them are, are silly long. It is worth mentioning. I do think this is genuinely the most one of the most grueling events in international in, in any kind of sport. I know Ironmans are obviously difficult 
and uh, you know, the Super yeah. Iron Man's, whatever the next level is. But that is that is a a race, and like try you know. Whereas this is constant racing. Do it again every day, two, three weeks, twenty. Yeah, honestly, so, yeah. Quick, very quick story on that. So I had a ex colleague who was very, very into cycling, and him and his, him and a bunch of mates went and did a single stage of the Tour de France um in sort of their free time they organized in um went and did the exact route of one of the stages of the tour de france um just for fun he kind of i don't know how he set it up i don't know if he kind of went somewhere or went to that exact stage but he went to he somehow recreated either literally at the place or somewhere else the steepest climb of the tour de france he physically couldn't cycle up it and he was fit enough to do a whole stage they're absolutely he was saying he he had to get off and walk like it's so steep he had to get off and walk he couldn't cycle up it but he was fit enough to do like another whole stage but just at the steepest point he had to get off and walk it's utterly ridiculous some of the stuff they do genuinely and like i think i've had gained more appreciation i think in 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 this sort of bit of research it's but yeah you're doing it day in day out you get the occasional rest day don't I i don't blame him I'm just shoot just, me full of all the drugs in the world. I'm still not doing the Tour de France. I'm not even finishing it, <laughs> let alone winning the damn thing. <laughs> Go ahead and dope. Fill your boots. Yeah, but, but that's you know part of the part of the Armstrong thing, I suppose, is that not obviously condoning it, but it just it, it just lets you like good. train. It lets you like, yeah, it just lets you tra- it lets you train more. So it lets you subject yourself to so much more punishment. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm like, in a way, I'm, I'm, I'm begrudgingly respect things to not say in public. I'm actually begrudgingly <laughs> respectful of Lance Armstrong. Um, obviously, yeah, in terms it's of it, work, it increases oxygen intake and all that sort of stuff. Grim uh, cheating and obviously all the stuff he does well to, to the reporter who uh, I can't remember what her name was. And his teammates to, to expose him and his teammates. Well. Yeah, horrible human being. Um. Anyway, so. Uh, since um so uh yeah so the total uh the, the the general classification leader is the total time taken on each stage um and since the sort of the riders started riding in this peloton which is sort of a large group of cyclists uh sort of the duration of vic- victory has dropped um it's sort of specifically the, the time is made up of things like you know breakaways on, on the sprints on sort of mount some of the mountain stages um but in general yeah it's 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 got sort of slightly narrower, but still. So this is over what two, three, three, four weeks. Um, just to let you to give people an idea of roughly how long sort of winners take on these Tour de France uh, sort of total times. Twenty twenty two winner, a guy called Jonas Vingegaard. He won it in a time of seventy nine hours and thirty two minutes. I have had a quick sort of skim back through uh, winners in the previous years. You're looking at a, yeah, a time of eighty three to ninety hours in total, right? Um, so it's a lot of cycling and, uh, there are, however, 10 winning margins, which are less than one minute, That's uh, which is ridiculous. I think, to, so basically to an extent, I think I was trying to, the, the kind of score at the time, it's not sort of specific for each rider. If you're near, if you're in like a group or like a bunch, you all get the same time. That like, I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for people, uh, to an extent, this is why the reason why all these sort of riders ride in pelotons is because you know only only a couple of these guys actually stand the chance of winning it, and everyone else is essentially sort of a meat shield to to you know <laughs> give give whoever's riding behind them uh, sort of a break as they uh, they sort of take all the air 
resistance, as it were. Yeah. And people can, people behind can ride in their slipstreams. So any team is made up of what eight nine people who are most of whom are just there to to ride in front of the leader, so he yeah. can sort of chill and say his tribute. I know, utterly ridiculous. Um, the, but the, so ten winning margins are under a minute. The smallest margin of victory is from the nineteen eighty nine Tour de France, which was big Greg year. Nineteen eighty nine. Great year. We've we've really gone big. We've really gone big. Big year in my seventh. My seventh birthday was huge as well. You know, great <laughs> like train cake probably. Um, Greg Lemond uh, beat Lauren Fignon. So it was over 21 stages, a total distance of 3,285 oh, kilometers. So far. The winning time, 87 hours, 38 minutes, 35 seconds. Which makes you sick, doesn't it? Utterly ridiculous. And after all of that racing, 87 hours, 38 minutes, 35 seconds, the winning margin was eight seconds. Oh, you'd be able to see him in front of you as well. Quite literally eight seconds. Well, it's, it's just so um, we'll get to, we'll get to that. Um, so I made that roughly three hundred fifteen thousand five hundred fifteen seconds, uh, which would make that a zero point zero zero three percent winning margin. Jesus, that's so. Uh, yeah, and so th- basically, the way it works, people who who haven't watched or have watched the Tour de France may know that sort of. The last day tends to be a bit of a bit of a procession. Oh, as they always do, like a formality, they let you win, don't they? Yeah, to sort of to celebrate surviving this sort of ridiculous race. You kind of um, the sort of cyclists tend to ride as a, as a large peloton for most of it. Um, it's generally, I think, quite gentlemanly. No one's. It's po- theoretically, I think, possible to try and attack and beat the yellow jerseys time, um, but it's it's very frowned upon in terms of uh, the sort of the sporting aspect of it. And, you know, sponsors would probably drop you for being incredibly unsporting. And, you know, mm-hmm. other people, teammates probably wouldn't want to ride for you again. So it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, but in 1989, they, I think, specifically had mixed it up so that the final day was a, uh, a, 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 it was a time trial, 24 and a half kilometers. Um from Versailles to Paris. So nice. Fignol's doing pretty well. He's got saddle sores. He's 50 seconds ahead going to this final day. It's basically impossible for, for oh, him wow. to uh, to sort of lose this. No one thought it was going to happen. Um, and then Le Mans pulls that, what was, I, I don't know if it still is, I should have probably checked, uh, what was at the time the fastest average speed across a time trial in Tour de France history. So he completes this 24 what a time to do it as well. I know. He completes it in 26 minutes, 57 seconds. That's an average speed of 54.545 kilometers an hour. Fignol, 54 kilometers an hour. 54. They're freaks. 50, so Fignol does it in 27 minutes, 55. So that's 52.66 kilometers an hour average. It's his fastest ever time trial. He'd never ridden that quickly. Still isn't oh, enough. Wow. And it's just like a an awesome end to this kind of this story of these guys and sort of looking a little bit more into kind of the Does that the make it sorry, do you reckon that makes it better or what? E- easier or harder to get over? It's like so when you you've run, done like, your absolute best and still yeah, didn't win. So it's like um when Bolt set his nine point five eight, I think is his record. In the same race, Tyson Gay ran the fastest time any American had ever run in history. 
So not only was it his own PB, it was a national record. So you're there like, do you reckon that's more or less annoying? I think it's, it's annoying that more they annoying. obviously Bolt pulled out because that time would be fast enough to beat Bolt on a lot of other days. Hmm. But equally, you can say like, I, there's, I will never run that fast again. I just got beaten by someone who was an absolute freak on the day. So be it. I, t- I can't decide yeah. if it's better or worse. I don't know if you're positive or negative, my initial impact instinct was to say, um, you know what? I, you know, it's it's just depressing. You, you've done your absolute best. You set a new national record, and this this guy still manages to absolutely yeah. put you away. I think it's one of those where at the time I'd be more annoyed, but it'd make it easier to get over. Because at the time you'd be like, "Are you joking? You've just done a nine five eight, you freak!" But <laughs> give it a week, a month, a year, you look back and you're like, you know what? I ran, I'm the fastest American that's ever lived. Yeah. And I still, I got beaten by the fastest human that has ever lived. Like, it's no what shame. What can you do? It's no shame being the second fastest to Usain Bolt. Yeah. Well, obviously he isn't anymore, you know, because of, you know, uh, a Powell probably beat him at some point. And what's his name? Johan Blake. Blake. I think Blake's got the second. Well, one of the early uh, episodes, if you haven't listened to it yet, listen yeah. Go back and find out me researching Jamaican sprinters. <laughs> yeah, I think you doing the app, you setting a personal best and getting beaten, yeah, it'd be pretty galling. Oh, you'd be you'd be infuriated, but also if you're if you're uh, uh, Fignon, presumably you're looking back at the previous three thousand two hundred and sixty kilometers and going, <laughs> only I'd made up fifty uh, eight seconds on any of that. Did he ever manage seconds. to win the Tour de France, or was that like the closest he ever came? Oh, no, he did. So this is what's interesting, right? So um, uh, uh, Le Mans' first Tour de France was in 1984. So he finishes third, supporting his teammate, Laurent Fignon, who who wins it in 84. And he'd actually also won it in 83. So then in 85, uh, Le Mans ends and goes to his team, La Vie Claire. That's my uh, French pronunciation there um so he joins this team in 2085 and then Le Mans wins it in 86 um and then he's out hunting uh with his friends in a, in a like a turkey hunt on like a ranch in California and one of his friends shoots him with a shotgun what he's just absolutely lacerated like his oh. side and back with like buckshot he's just his back's described as looking like a colander he loses like a huge amount of blood um, I think there's like a, I don't, I don't know how, whether it's sort of apocryphal or not, but yeah, that just happens to be like a, a rescue helicopter sort of nearby, which has managed to get to him in time, um, take him to hospital. They managed to save him. So he turns to, he returns to, to cycling, but still sort of 30 buckshot pellet sort of left in his back. And competing. Two, and competing. Two in the lining of his heart oh, at the time of, of that Tour de France win in 89. So he comes back from injury in 88. He, really struggles as you might expect because you've been shot by your friend with a shotgun you've been really shot as well i would take not any a little bit shot to, yeah you've been really incredibly shot. shot i take any excuse not to cycle again <laughs> yeah yeah if you, if you throw a throw a toothbrush at me I, I'm, I'm going down and i'm like that's sorry that's it i'm retiring um so he comes but he has a really so he comes back i think in 88 and he really struggles at the start of the year um he doesn't expect to be competing uh for the tour de france in 89 actually he tells his wife that he's going to retire straight afterwards um that it's this ridiculously close race between him and and Fignor. 
Um, the lead changes four times over the course of, of the uh, competition. Um, so it goes into this final day and it's just, it just happens to be this one year where they try mixing it up and just the unthinkable happens and, uh, and he ends up winning it. And interestingly, that's actually the last tour stage that Le Mans wins. Wow. He uh, didn't win a stage again, although he did win the 1990 Tour de France. But without winning a stage, oh, yeah. So he so won. There you are. So he won two Tour de France's, having. Have I got that the right chronological order? He won two Tour de France's, having been yeah. shot. Two, two Tour de France. Uh, he well, yeah. So he wins one in '86. Then he gets shot. Then he comes back and wins the '89 and the '90 Tour de France's. Jesus. That's unreal. Utterly, utterly spectacular. And I think it's mentioned somewhere that actually that team he had in 89, he's riding with sort of some some less well-established cyclists with his team sort of setting up. And I think only three of the nine of them get to the final day. I can't remember if that's including Le Monde himself or not. Uh, whereas Fignon's got like a, a, a stable of like very established cyclists who are leading him out very well. Yeah, yeah. So That's it's just amazing. an utterly, utterly like spectacular story, and it's just it's just the the most diff challenging like physical competition yeah. on the planet, which takes it's definitely so up long. There. It's definitely out there. Eight min, eight seconds, like eight seconds is. I mean, I don't think I could return to cycling after that. <laughs> You'd be yeah. like, again, so the fact no. you've won two already might help. Yeah, but then you lost it to a guy who's been shot. And was your teammate. And was your teammate. I don't know how... I mean, he was quite... I think he was shot when he was 20. So, I think he was relatively young. I think he was... <laughs> that makes it okay. <laughs> no, I mean, but I think... You, can, you think, bounce back from injuries in your early 20s, don't you? <laughs> so, he was born in 61. So, he'll have been 28 at the time. And I don't know how old... Laurent Fignon was. I wonder if he was kind of at the end of yeah. his career, though. at the tail end of the massage, you know what, that's... But, I mean, there's apparently there's, you know, Le, um, Le Mans sort of there, he does the time trial first, he's, you know, there's sort of journalists kind of trying to cluster around him and asking all these questions, and, he, you know, he's kind of hearing that he tries to sort of sneak away and get some kind of wireless or radio, whatever they had back yeah. in 89, I don't know, to, <laughs> to, to listen as uh, Fignon comes in. I think it's quite obvious halfway through, you think he's lost 21 seconds so he's not. Yeah. Gonna, he's, he's losing time, but it's like, how much is he going to lose? I was going to say, is he going to hold on enough, or? Uh, really not. Yeah, exactly. Eight seconds behind for the time trial. Uh, Fignon was twenty nine in turn in nineteen eighty nine, so very comparable. Le professeur, the professor. Don't know why I bother translating. I don't that. think I needed pretty, that translation. Actually, it's pretty, pretty obvious. Oh, do you have a fiance who speaks French? <laughs> I do. Thank you. But, uh, uh, yeah, nice. That was that was amazing. I'd never heard even a little bit of that story. It's so, cool. It is very cool. Crazy. That being that close, I can't decide if I'm more impressed by that or winning or having been shot. I I mean, I think I've got to go with it being shot, despite it not being the theme of the week. People who have been <laughs> shot. People who have been shot. Well, who's the um? Who's the NFL player who got shot in the leg and kept, I'm like was playing again like three weeks later or something ridiculous? Um, there was 
Oh, so Sean Taylor was the he didn't he was the safe the former safety of Redskins who was um, shot in the leg as part of a robbery and then ended up passing away. You got Plaxico Burris was the New York Giants wide receiver who shot himself in the leg with an unlicensed handgun in a New York nightclub. I think ended up going to prison for a year or two years, and then came back to the Giants again afterwards. Yeah. Uh, oh, do you mean this season? Um, it's uh, Brian Robinson. Brian Robinson back, Jr. makes NFL Washington. debut six weeks after being shot. Yeah, but how shot? How shot was he? That's what I'd say. <laughs> LeMond's got thirty sh- shots in him. Two of them in his heart. <laughs> Two of them in the lining of his heart. I, 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 I yeah, utterly that's... preposterous. Not bad. Not nice. bad. Thank you. Very nice. I, I very much enjoyed that one. Would you say yeah. that was better or worse than an average episode with Jack? Um, well, I mean, I thought it was better, but that's mainly because I mean, my ideal episode of this um, involves neither you nor Jupp being here. <laughs> well, actually, no, it involves me not being here. That'd be, that'd be, that's the ultimate. <laughs> the fewer the better. The yeah. It does not exist. We're all just sort of sitting in just quietly aside in our own sort of houses, just, you know. Staring at the bathroom wall. Uh, no, I'd say Juppie's presence was uh, was sorely missed. I think uh, he. <laughs> no, I can't keep That's it up. That's the je ne sais quoi. The wild card. He's the wild card. We're too. We're too polished. We're too professional. I don't know what's missing without him because it's not humour or sporting knowledge, but there is something missing. <laughs> it's not sporting um, insight. Someone opening a can at the start of every episode. <laughs> oh, guilty! It's like Juppie. You could have done that. At any time, any point. For five minutes, you could have just done it beforehand. Do People it don't need to know. The street cred, we get exactly. a drink. We do, but get well soon, Jappy. Yeah, if in the unlikely event that you listen to this, get well soon, and enjoy your five points uh, from Phil's quizzing, which You're I think uh, doubles his quiz total for the year. Yeah, <laughs> not far off, probably. <laughs> uh... he just tactically, he's just tactically done it to to catch up with the quiz. Yeah. Safe face on the quiz front. Well, I'll be sure to tell him personally all about Greg Lamond and Laurent Fignon next time I see him in person. Why? He will listen to it. It's fine. He'll definitely. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely will. Yeah. Anyway, see yeah. you. Uh, see you in the... Oh, do you have an idea for the next episode? It's episode 10. All right. Do we do Goat Week? Ooh, yeah. And like, what? And the, yeah, Goat Week or make mine a 10. Or yeah, he slash she's a ten. He slash the she slash they's a ten. Perfect ten, something like that. Yeah, nice works for me. Either either goat week, yeah, goat week. That's that's a good one. Go week or perfect ten, where like someone's had a perfect performance. Go through the per- what we consider perfect performance. So you get what Invincibles, the first perfect ten in gymnastics, three hundred nine darters. There's lots of examples. One four sevens. Or for sevens. Uh, I'm I'm with you. I feel like I feel like perfect tens quite. It's it's almost it, it just lines up quite. It's it's fate. It writes it's itself. Fate. It writes itself. Yeah, literally. Well, you've written it, but it writes itself. <laughs> you haven't nice. needed to do anything for it. Yeah, let's do that. Perfect ten, perfect like perfect ten. performances. Yeah. Listener, do you can you think of a perfect ten? Do write into us at Twitter, sportingly avg. Yeah, well done. Well done. Nice. Uh. Phil took over. Yeah, get in touch. Um, but thanks for listening. Thank you, Reese. 
hopefully we're back up to our full strength, our full complement for next episode. But if not, it'll just be uh, as good, if not better, without him. Absolutely. Fingers crossed. Cheers. Enjoyed that. And hope you did too, listener. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Christ.